couple of words on this week's episode before we get started. The first film that we talk about, uh, we do get into talking about some pretty uncomfortable situations, specifically around sexual assault due to the nature of the film that we've watched. Spoilers for that film start at 39 minutes. We start talking non-spoilers for the second film at 56 minutes. And spoilers for that are around about 1 hour 12 um, and then we go back into non-spoilers for the last five minutes of the episode. So if you want to skip forward, there you go. Enjoy. Hello and welcome everyone to the Ornithology presents forgotten films i'm ben Hyten and i'm alex Belletti, and we are in our third season we've taken a bit of a detour just to keep ourselves interested we are looking at films that might have been forgotten over the last 30 odd years um from 1980 up to whatever plus 30 that is 2010 probably something like that and uh, with maybe a few odd ones sprinkled in here and there bonus ones if you will yeah uh this week, as you know, we are doing 1981. Year I was born. Yes. Yeah, so we'll mention in a minute the films that we've both chosen, but you'll remember last time uh, I tried to put forward a Walter Hill film called The Long Riders, and I spoke briefly about this. Uh-huh. This time I tried to put forward another Walter Hill film called Southern Comfort, and yeah. uh, you, you pretty flatly rejected it. So before I go into like why yeah. i like that film yeah yeah I'm, I'm curious what you what information you received that made you say i'm not going to watch this anytime soon right so i'm embarrassed a, a little bit it said um well i'm not embarrassed i think it's the same piece of information so i read i i just watched a poster like for anyone that doesn't know why would anybody want to know or why they would know i'm flat out with work at the moment so my that's one of the reasons, again, why Ben and I have decided to just do stuff we enjoy. But we've <laughs> weirdly, we've set ourselves the task of watching an extra film for every recording. At least, and, yeah. yeah. At least. And sometimes we're watching four uh, just to make sure that we're we're um, checking through our picks for, for each year. And um, because actually, I mean, this week especially, there's a film that neither of us have seen. Yeah. And if it turns out to be shit, I mean, that's still worth talking about. But we might want to say, yeah. actually, I want to do a film that we actually like. Anyway, exactly. No, no, that's that's no really good point. It's like that's also part of the enjoyment of doing this. It's why we're taking our time with it. It's why yeah. it might not be every week, but so it's more fun this way. We can really get into it with, with the movies, and I get to explore films that I've not seen before. One of the films that Ben recommended, I said, "Yeah, I'm up for it. I'm doing it." Uh, you know, Ben, that I'm not a massive horror fan, uh, and that sometimes there are films, depending on how fragile I'm feeling, I'm like, ah, I can't watch it. The thing that turned me off this time was it said, you've seen Deliverance? Yeah. Right. I thought that Deliverance was the Kathy Bates movie. Oh, Misery. Misery. So I was like, I'm okay. not fucking watching Misery. And I was like, I can't watch Misery. Like, Well, although Deliverance is also a, a very intense film and certainly, uh, you know, an existential horror movie. Yeah. And I so I, then I thought, and then when I realized my mistake, I was like, can I squeeze it in? Last night, I thought, and or not last night, a couple of nights ago when I texted you, and I was like, so I watched the trailer and I was like, yeah, no, 
Like, and I was already feeling quite raw from the last movie I saw. Uh-huh. Now, it, again, in research for this, for another 1981 film, I watched another movie, which we're not going to talk about today. Just mention it. Stripes. So while you watch Southern Comfort, I watched Stripes because I was thinking, I want something lighthearted after watching your pick, your first yeah. pick. Yeah. And, and I thought, and there was another horror film that I was like, can we do like just a horror special then? And I just wasn't feeling it. I was like, let's do a horror and something light as well and fun. But it just didn't hit the mark the same way the movie that's my pick for this week did. Stripes didn't. Stripes, exactly, it didn't. So so Stripes was actually the number five most successful movie of 1981. Definitely Uh, not a forgotten film. Very, uh, well, probably not. But a a very early Ivan Reitman, Bill Murray um, collaboration. Harold Ramis is in it. John Candy's in it. Great cast. It is. John Larroquette is really funny. All the guys. All the guys that I like. And there's plenty of... Like funny stuff in it, I think, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it does fall apart at the end, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. And Hard. I ended up watching an extended version as well. So there's scenes in there that are like, it's the thing about Ivan Reitman movies is that they're really PG, but they're not. I think Stripes is probably one of his more bawdy movies. Yeah. It, it does have boobs and things. It's very Police Academy at times, isn't it? It is. It is. Which, nothing wrong with that. I grew up on that stuff. Yeah, sure. But it's also like, it's also like it. We can't talk about it for an hour, you know. Uh, no, that's how I felt. Not really. I, no. I, I, I totally respect your decision to to not put that one forward. It's yeah. a fun film. It's one that we yeah. watched on VHS a lot growing up, but it's nothing special. So sorry, Joe, who's a previous guest of this podcast. I think it was her her shout. Yeah, that was a film we watched together a lot as kids. Right. Joe's my sister. For anyone, yeah, who no, no. Know. I was up for it. I saw it. I like it. I might reference it once or twice in the future. But it's not one. It's not one that I'm going to do an episode on. So Ben, yeah. What, so Southern what are Comfort. Our picks? Oh, hang on. So, oh, sorry, man. Yeah, Southern Comfort. Yeah. Uh, just very briefly, um, it's one of those films that's got a great hook. It's a uh, a bunch of National Guardsmen in 1973 in Louisiana going on a training exercise in the Bayou. So they have real rifles, but they only have blank ammunition. And when they get lost and they're on their way to basically take some R and R and meet some hookers, they steal some hunters' kayaks to get across a lake. Shit, maybe we should have done Southern Comfort and Stripes. And the, the hunters, well, maybe. <laughs> the, really hunters, interesting. the the hunters um, appear on the shore and one of the soldiers fires a bunch of blanks at them. Right. And the hunters fire real ammo back. Uh-huh. So it then turns into this survivalist movie as they get hunted through the bio, the bio, the body count racks up. It's a very heavy-handed Vietnam metaphor. Right. It's quite an effective one. Um it's got some really good filmmaking in it. Great score. Great cast. Powers Booth, Keith yeah. Carradine, Fred Ward, Peter Coyote. Um, definitely Peter influenced Coyote. Definitely influenced by Deliverance and also Deer Hunter. And I think what you would find interesting about it is I think it quite heavily influenced Predator. Interesting for this it's, episode. It, yeah, it's yeah. written by Walter Hill and David Geiler, who wrote Alien a few years before. Right. And there's Very a lot of stuff in Predator that I think directly references or is even stolen from at times Southern Comfort, including yeah. Sonny Landham, who appears in a particularly no vicious way. scene in it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so it's that viciousness that was turning me off. I was like, we, we, I had enough of that with your pick for this episode. And I was like, I don't know if I can take that unless it's a bit cartoony or action. That that's very interesting. The Predator note, we'll we'll, we'll come back to that it's a bit gonna later. Come back, yeah. yeah, of course it will. I I you know whenever I hear you give these descriptions, I'm like, yeah, maybe I should give it a go. Every time I 
hear the word deliverance though having not seen it as well i've only seen clips from misery too it's that kind of like ah can i watch this kind of film that's going to leave me like raw and it's like i know that these are movies that to round out my film knowledge i should be watching but yeah deliverance is definitely a film that you have to see southern comfort isn't but it's still a good movie yeah again it would round it out for the things that you said and i especially like those kind of I like those movies that the where the allegory is actually really heavy sometimes not heavy-handed not I don't mind on the nose actually people just sometimes say it's on the nose and then like that doesn't automatically disqualify it right it, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. want to I want to know why sometimes yeah. it works yeah, Oliver Stone movies you exactly know? sometimes it works and I and so that changes my viewing of it if it's like obviously Vietnam it's obviously a parallel for Vietnam but it's just saying Let's set it in the States. Let's change the Viet Cong for Southerners who are kind of like isolated communities. I quite like that. I quite like that as an idea. So it will change my my viewing of it. Yeah. So anyway, the films that we have watched and we're going to talk about, my pick this week is a technically a 1982 movie, but it was made in 1981. It's uh, Sidney J. Fury's The Entity. Yeah. And my pick uh, this week is from one of our uh, listeners, uh, Rob Arden. Yeah. Uh, called Wolfen. Indeed. At first I was like, eh, another horror. We've just watched Entity. Can I go for Wolfen? But then after Stripes, I was like, I gave Wolfen another check. I was like, you know what? I'm up for this. I can do it. I can do okay. two horrors. So which film do you want to talk about first? Entity. Okay. So the Entity is um, very clearly one of those films that comes at the crossover from the 70s, the 80s, both culturally uh, and also in its approach to horror, because the, the, the movement in horror that was really taking off at the time was grungy slasher movies. And this yeah. is definitely not that. This is a film devoid of gore uh, of a woman who is beleaguered by an unseen, pretty clearly stated as paranormal force, which attacks yeah. very specifically her in a very specific way, which is almost always sexual and violent and i think um this really stands out for me personally as quite a unique film from the period right precisely because of that because of how it's not a film i would say is graphic yeah but it is a film that's quite frequently shocking i i agree with the the shocking factor and i want to say something right up top which i think is gonna be really important in terms of how we talk and comment on this film is that is just my experience of it I won't describe in too much detail just now, like my whole ride with the film, because I want to hear more. Obviously, what you're gonna you have to say about it. It's your pick, but I want I want you to know up top that like I went through this roller coaster of ah fucking hell, man. Like, why are you making me watch horror? Why you know I don't like horror. Like this is this is on over that line of horror, and I was like ah, and I was I wasn't pissed off at you. Obviously, you know, it doesn't matter. But it's like you know I'm gonna watch these movies for us. You know I'm gonna do this. And then I finally figured it out when we got to the end. I was like, right, I'm all right with that. So I just want you to know that about me, that like, because of the ending, which I won't spoil now, I was like, good. And you actually did tell me like ages, I think you told me ages ago, what the, 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 the spoiler that would, might make it an okay for me to watch. And it's so strange for me that, you know, I saw the same images go into my eyeballs, had the same emotions. But then once I found out something at the end, I was okay. I wasn't. I, I all that emotion of like, 
you know, I don't want to watch this shit, man. All that feeling. It's like, it went away. And I just want to make that as a note. I haven't reflected deeply on it, but I wanted to discuss it with you. Okay. So having seen the film, do you still classify this as horror? No. No. Okay. Because I wouldn't either. I'd say no. it's a it's a, it's a thriller. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's more around parapsychology. Yeah. Um, it's interesting where it sits in the realm of modern psychology because it's sort of right at the tail end of very Freudian psychology. Yeah. Uh, in terms of practice. And and one of the things that I really like about the film is how seriously it's treated and yet how much she is treated as simply someone experiencing hysteria in a Freudian sense. Yeah, It doesn't rely on effects very sparingly. And when they show up, they're yeah. pretty effective. I agree. And it, it actually owes a lot more. I seem to talk about this film a lot more than I thought I would. It owes a lot more to something like The Exorcist in the way that the supernatural is treated uh, through yeah. a scientific method than I think any other sort of horror film. The Exorcist is a film that I would class as horror, but I would say this is a, yeah. a suspense thriller with paranormal leanings. I would agree with that. And... And having and looking at it from that angle, it makes me realize that the most horrifying thing about the film, okay, the horror bits or the bit the, the things that happen to her are pretty horrifying. They are shocking. One of the most shocking bits, though, is the way that her condition is discussed. Um, and perhaps this is jumping ahead, but I'll just say it now. There's a moment where we are with her every scene of the movie. Like, she's the protagonist, she's the main character, and there's a moment where, I, I think about halfway through, uh, doctors are discussing her condition, and, and she leaves the room, and we stay in the room with the doctors, and we have this whole scene. I think it's the first scene where she's not part of it. She's not included, she's not a central character. And it's a real break in terms of what the audience is being shown. And it's both a sobering and horrifying moment, because, like, Obviously, we know that this is real. We believe her. But we are also thinking, is she creating it? It's very difficult. Yeah, and I think one of the interesting things that the film does is, I think in the very first time that she goes to see Ron Silver's character and says, I was raped, but as soon as... She says it happened, and when it was over, he vanished like he'd never been there. That's what she says. Now, I want to come back to that line. Um, But up to that point, even as an audience member, you could explain this as something that only she was experiencing, something brought on by trauma and hallucination, anything. But there is a scene where her son tries to intervene. And that is where we first have our clearly supernatural moment where lightning, a force, pushes him back and breaks his arm. Yeah, yeah, his wrist or his hand or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that scene with the doctors is, is really... It felt really real, actually. And that's one of the things I really like about the film is how how seriously it treats the subject in a real world setting. So they're they're quite belittling of her when she's in the room and completely dismissive the second that she walks out. All of this is easily explained, even the stuff that isn't. Yeah. And that's the thing that's shocking is like, it's one thing if she's just isolated attacks, there's no witnesses or other. But that's what I that's what I liked about the plot. It was like, these things are happening to her and you're you are rooting for her like this is horrible what's going on to her and it's like that music man yeah amazing like tell tell me that this didn't inspire terminator uh, the opening sequence do you know what i mean okay maybe i do mean you get my link 
for me the because because what's interesting about the music is there is a score in the film but it's used very uh teasingly but anytime an attack comes on yeah. you have this simply pulsating it is the the unseen thrusting bah, of bah, the entity bah, bah. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's classic it's like psycho sped up but uh it follows which is another film that deals with a an unseen presence that's right. also linked to sexual yeah. transmission and okay. things like these. It uses that exact same sound. And I think that's yeah. somewhere where you really see the that influence was in the horror that, genre. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't feel the Terminator, but I can see why you're saying that, yeah. The opening sequence, it's, it's just that 80s feel, I guess. She's very Sarah Connor-ish, yeah. Yeah, and it's the synth, it's all that stuff, and it's like, make the entity a Terminator, and it's like, well, okay. Well, okay, yeah. Do you, do you see what I mean? And these attacks, right, at the beginning, I'm just like, what the hell is going on? At first, I thought, this is boring because it's like, I don't know anything about what's going on. I, there's no, I don't know anything about these characters. I don't, why do I care about her that she's getting attacked? But there is, that's why I said what I said at top, okay? So I'd be perfectly, I take that I was resentful that I was watching a horror film. That's what I thought okay. was going on. So my opinion is tainted by that feeling, which I can. I want to. I wanted to talk about. I want to explore that with you. Ten minutes, two attacks. What the hell is happening? And I was, but I was like, Jesus, I'm not gripped. I'm just like shocked, and I don't know what's going on. And then I real, I only realized in hindsight of like, that's exactly what she's going through. Absolutely. She's yeah, got yeah. no fucking idea why this is happening. And the dialogue around it is really refreshingly candid. When she takes the kids out of the house and goes to stay at her friend's house, Cindy, yeah. Just while they're making coffee, she just says, I was raped. And then when yeah. she has the um, the, the sit-downs with Ron Silver, yeah. he's, in, he's incredibly frank. And he's yeah. he's very clear and specific about things. Yeah. Um, and one of, again, one of the things I really like is that he knows he has to push her to confront whatever trauma it is that could be setting this off if, it's, if it is in her right. head. Right. And he pushes her too far. He right. suggests something yeah. that takes it too far. But that's absolutely appropriate for his character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And her reaction is absolutely understandable. Right. And 20 minutes in, really bored. Pacing's not great. I can admit this would actually be really scary if it were real. And it speaks to what you were saying of like, that the treatment that they were actually trying to give us is that, no, this isn't this isn't supposed to be supernatural. This is what if this was actually happening? How would people actually react? Yeah. And yeah. Exhaust all of the options. Once right. you exhaust all the options, you have photographic and even video proof, you have witnesses, then what could this possibly be? And there is a I'm kind of surprised that you say it was it was boring because yeah. i think although it's a pace that's very much of its time those stretches of, of quiet interspersed yeah. with this craziness yeah and, and they are they're 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 violent without being explicit if that makes sense um, it does yeah. you really feel the violence yeah uh, it's an incredibly experiential thing it does it does keep you on your toes and and yet i think the film develops at exactly the right pace Mm. Uh, up to the point that she basically enlists Ghostbusters, right? Yeah, basically. And from, and from that point on, I had no memory of the last, uh, let's say, 45 minutes of this film. 
watching it again right. this time, I was I was genuinely sat there going, I had no idea what was about to happen. And that is always really exciting in a film like this, I think. It doesn't mean that you I, I necessarily leave, yeah. leave the film completely satisfied. I personally was no. because I really, I think Barbara Hershey gives an incredible performance in this film. I think the score agree, and the photography yeah. is all great. And it pushes just enough in the terms of the f- physical yeah. effects and the and the special effects without overstepping the mark. And it also doesn't use effects in the way that Time After Time did that have <laughs> aged horrifically. Yeah. I think this is a film that is more relevant today than when it came out yeah. because of the central conceit of a woman who knows she's been attacked and no one believes her. And in the Me Too environment, the Judge Kavanaugh environment, yeah, yeah. I think this is a film that could have a second life. I agree. No, I, I, very well made point. And, and I hadn't necessarily considered those things. But I had made several notes saying that the film's ahead of its time. In many respects, but not for the same reasons you do. And I agree with your reasons. They uh, Things like, I think that that music is ahead of its time. There's something dubstepish about it, right? I think that the <laughs> okay. way... Yeah, there is. There's something about like the way that the the way that they are treating her character is a feminist character. It yeah. is making that point, and I, and I wrote that note, but I didn't necessarily think of it as something that would that this would be a film that could make a make a more a modern point. But to say that, I mean, it was the eighties. The point was being made. The, the movement was still happening then, in in a prominent way as well. I think that the in contrast with Stripes as well, it's interesting to see that how those same statements were being made in films like Stripes too, poorly, <laughs> right, sure. very poorly. And the thing for me, because I have an interest in it, and it's perhaps my bias, is the way she was treated, uh, not just because she's a woman, but just how she was treated um, as a psychological case. Yeah. That um, I do not know many treatments that would that would respond to her nowadays that way no you'd hope not you'd hope you would hope not and 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 i also don't know how accurate the the research that was done into um how how this particular person would have actually been treated um i don't i don't there's lots of things i don't really know but my general feeling was one of like i don't i don't think that's actually what they would have done but i would be prepared to accept that if we're trying to set it in a real world setting, that they might have, that they might have had those similar reactions. Yeah, I mean, I think this is pretty closely based on casework okay. from the time. Fair enough. Which we we will have to go into spoilers to talk a bit more about. Yeah. But yeah, I think for the time, actually, it's well, it feels. I don't know how accurate it is, but it feels right. It feels yeah. This is about how it was. I think one of the things that it has in common with Wolfen, which is interesting, is apart from the pacing, how lived in these two worlds look. They've, mm. There's a real, like when she's climbing into the bathtub, mm. that looks like a bathtub that a family would have. It's not perfect. It's not clean. I, it's I, not sexy. I made the same note. Yeah. I made yeah. the same note. It's re- it is interesting. There's a lot about that. And also that was, some of the, although, the, the, although the attack scenes are harrowing, they do have that feeling of real experiences. Her, the different qualities of each of the attacks have that feeling of different experiences. And this is definitely one of those films that leaves you with more questions than, um, than it answers, for sure. Um, more specifically, the quality of each attack 
reveals something about the way that she experiences relationships and she's experienced relationships. The doctor's not wrong, in a sense, to say that these psychological or paranormal attacks, we, we don't know, that it's important to consider how she has had relationships in the past. How do you yeah. relate? And that's actually a real eye-opener when he, when he lays it out the way that he does about the, yeah. the, when the man when he comes she... around to her house, right? Which is so unprofessional. That's the thing that I'm just like, he's, he's just done like two hours of psychological tests on her and she's called for a cab and he comes outside and goes, oh, I'll give you a ride home. Yeah, you know, actually, there was one thing in that, that scene okay? when, she's, okay. when she's waiting outside the hospital and yeah. the camps haven't arrived. There was one extra little note I, that I wanted in that yeah. scene is when he comes out and he offers her a ride and she says no, because I think she's picking up on his vibe of like, I'm kind of into you. Yeah. And that's not right. It's there, right? Um, it's there throughout the whole film. It, it is. And he even kind of tries to say it to her at one point, like, I'm a man that cares about you, right? Yeah. And that's what you need. I would have pushed this film up an extra notch if, to make her feel better, he just walked into the reception and said, I'm giving that lady a, a lift home now. I want you to know so that her mind is put at ease, so that if anything happens, you know that I'm giving this girl a lift. Something like that. You yeah, know, just something to make him accountable, to say, I'm safe. But yeah. I think the film doesn't do that, and also that character doesn't do that, because right. actually... I'm not sure what his motivation is. There is insight he that he would either. gain he and, that he, yeah. and that he does gain from seeing her family yeah. unit, what her place is like, where the yeah. attacks took place. But there is also just a simple selfish curiosity of like, yeah. I want to be in where your life is. Yeah. That was a terrible sentence. I want to be in where your life is. Use that as a line on your next date, maybe. I'm going to create a Hallmark card for that. Yeah. I want to be in where your life is, honey. This film, just agree or disagree, it felt like to me, because because I'm not a horror or even a psychological thriller, although I like many of them, uh, I don't know that many of them, I'm not an aficionado, right, about that. So, But I did get this impression that this film is so full of the cliches that late 90s took the piss out of. Oh, interesting. It felt uh, like that to me, that it felt like there were cliches in this movie that, not necessarily saying it's a reference movie. Well, give an example. Well, I did write a few down, just that kind of hand going up to a door handle like that's okay in a, 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 you know i get a knife from the kitchen like that's in the screen movies like someone's about to attack you get a knife in the kitchen and it's like but then i thought like cliche is cliche for a reason people have kitchens people are scared at night what do you do you go to the yeah. knife for ki- it's, it's and, not and like it's effective you know but, those close oh, what a cliche on... people are eating food I, I get that the tree shadow on the window and stuff like that but again it's like yeah, they work though, you know. They, that's why they're cliches, right? And I, I actually, the reason that I'm kind of surprised that you say it's cliche, I, I do watch a lot of these kind of films, especially from mm. this period of the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And I was really surprised and pleased at how well this film holds up for me. It's a film that's now a treasured part of my collection because I think mm-hmm. it really has something to add to the genre. Um, not least, a, a, you know, a very smart script for the time and actors firing on all cylinders right um and those attacks are well, genuinely i think i agree upsetting. i i agree they are done genuinely i'm saying i think the actors are firing on all cylinders except i thought the there sun. were time what right. the sun's a bit crap the, the sun well the sun's a bit crap 
the girls are the girls. You know, the little daughters, they're, they're fine. The kids acting, it's not a problem. I, there are moments where the acting's ropey, and that's what lets the... Across the board, that's where it lets it down. Some of the doctors... Ron Silver's doing a Ron Silver. Like, he's fine. Like, You I know mean, what you get with that guy. Mr. Time Cup. He's like... Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just so... Or, or like, Beardy Andy Garcia, as I like to refer to him. Yeah, Beardy Andy Garcia. <laughs> so, I was happy to see Ron Silver. There's some other notable mentions... I, you know, I like Ron Silver. Um, I, I wouldn't. I say it's unfair to say his acting was ropey. Uh, the protagonist Barbara Hershey is that her name? Mm. She, she's great. Like, and she's got a lot to do. She's got a lot to portray and work with, and I think she does just fine. I wouldn't say it's like a triple A star, you know, kind of performance. But for what it is, for everything that's going on in this film, I think it's still great. Um, it just there's something about the. The film as a whole, that like the acting kind of, it's not she's not fully supported in it, and like the son as okay. well. I don't right. believe the son as much. I certainly didn't believe uh, Jerry Anderson, who's her boyfriend, who's absent for most of the movie but gets referred to a lot. Alex Rocco is the character, yeah, yeah, right. He deserves a notable mention. Do you know why? Well, he's been in a lot of good films, but God. right, I haven't seen any of the good films. I was like, who is that guy? Why do I know him? I don't recognize his face. Why do I know him? He's fucking Roger Myers from The Simpsons. He's the voice oh, of the the creator of Richie and Scratch. Not the creator of Richie yeah. and Scratchy, the grandson yeah, the of the creator of... or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The, the head he- of the studio. The head of the studio, yeah. Um, he's one of those guys with a great voice. You know, he's got those. Yeah, yeah. Notable for yeah. being the guy who gets shot through his glasses on a sunbed in The Godfather. Really? Spoilers okay. for The Godfather. Yeah, yeah well, fine. I no, he that. is. Um, I know what you mean, though. I, I like the way that he's portrayed in the first scene where he's in bed with her, because you don't really see him. He's kind of yeah. You, you only see pieces of him, and that's quite an interesting yeah. approach. And it's I think the film figure. is really well he's shot in that. Figure, sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you don't realize actually how old he is compared to her until yeah. you see him when he comes back. True. And you know, you hear him on the phone and things like that. Uh, but yes, he has a couple of hysterical scenes himself that they don't compare. They're not. They're not. He doesn't sell them the way that Barbara Hershey sells them. I don't think. Yeah. It, so that's the. That's my. When I say ropey acting, that's that's all I mean. I don't want to heavily criticize it because again, this isn't easy material to direct or to work with. I I, I don't think there's a precedent really for it. Um, I wouldn't blame any actor for feeling like they're out of their depth, and unless it's a really like well-produced and well-directed directed, uh, production that, it, you know, I don't know what results you're going to get. I happen to believe it's one of those movies that if it's going to be a smash, if it's going to be a success, it's like the stars have to align. You know, no pun intended. There has to be this kind of confluence of of events, what's going on during the day, people involved in the production that just make it this magical movie. I don't know how much sort of brute force of talent could make this a good movie does that make did you see what i mean i think it needs to be more lurid uh, you yeah. know the, the the cover for this is uh it's not barbara hershey it's clearly not barbara hershey but it is a fully naked woman nipples and pubic hair and all sorts in a very provocative pose that makes it look like this is more of an erotic supernatural thriller and i think if there's one thing you can say this film is not uh-uh. it's erotic i will say on the record if you find this film sexy, get help. Definitely get help. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and the sight of a naked Barbara Hershey should not have that impact on you, but that's the way that the film works. I, I do think it's, it's, it's actually probably too edgy for a very mainstream horror audience. But I absolutely believe 
But if this was given a chance at sort of midnight screenings um, and a revival these days, I think a lot of people would discover something that they'd really appreciate. I think they should. Yeah, I, I think that you should go see it, definitely. And it's a clear, there are sequences in this that are clear influences on Paul Verhoeven's Hollow Man. Oh, without a doubt. I can't believe I missed that. Of course. I remember having the thought, but I didn't write it down. You're right. Right. Yeah. Can we make the title of this podcast, Good Typists Get Well-Paying Jobs? Great. Great little, it really reminded me of The Shining, actually, that first sequence. Well, that's what I was saying. That's kind of what I meant by the cliche comment. Less... I didn't mean to to say it to focus on cliches and what they are and how they happen, but really, like, again, this should be an influential film if it has if it isn't. Well, a couple of the things that we look for to see if yeah. this has had an afterlife uh, are the main cast known for this? None no. of them are. No. Does it have references in pop culture? There's nothing on the Wikipedia page. However, very interesting bit of trivia here: Martin Scorsese ranked it in his top ten most terrifying movies ever made. Now that is high Thanks. praise. I agree. We, when you and I talked at least, we acknowledged that industry professionals knowing a movie doesn't disqualify it as a forgotten film. It's, you'd expect those people to watch an inordinate amount of films and know stuff that the general public doesn't. Yeah. I haven't really found a lasting legacy beyond the odd obscure blog posts and stuff like that. Did you have a look at the Wikipedia page? Anything else? Yeah, yeah. There's nothing. Right. No. Yeah. So, um, you know, and it did fine when it came out. It, it right. made one and a half times its budget, which is yeah. a moderate success. It was well reviewed. Yeah. That doesn't um, disqualify it either as a forgotten no, film. No, no. Those are the films yeah. that we're looking for. And, yeah. I, and I think this absolutely is a, is a classic case of the kind of film that we're trying to find. Yeah. I think Wolfen is as well, uh, you know, not to spoil our conversation. Oh, fine. You know, I don't mind calling it now to say I agree that they're both forgotten films. What do you think about it as a movie? How does it stand up like against other films? I think it's I look, I don't know how biased I am in this. I think it's an excellent film. I, I my experience of this is I watched it in my early teens. I think my brother had mentioned it to me and I was expecting something more like Poltergeist. You know, right. something poppy with set pieces and things Fair like that. Enough. I think this is a better film than Poltergeist, right. precisely because it treats you like an adult. The The beauty of Poltergeist, in a lot of ways, is that it deals with some of the same kind of material as this, um, but packages it for a relatively family-friendly audience. But I think this is a really good film. I don't know that whoa, I whoa, whoa. Five... Hang on. Sorry, a relatively family-friendly audience? Really? Poltergeist, yeah, it was a PG. Oh, excuse me, I thought you meant this. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, Poltergeist. fine. I've not seen it. I've not seen it. Yeah, no. I, I, I'm. I think it's overrated, um, and I do think if you wanted to pick between the two films, this is clearly a better film in almost yeah. every regard. It is definitely for grown-ups, though, and you yeah. have to be ready to no, see some pretty uncomfortable things. It is, and hence my roller coaster ride. I mean, thirty-eight minutes in, right? You still got. I mean, it's at least another hour. It's, it's, it's almost two hours. Yeah. yeah. I wrote down, Jesus, 38 minutes in, a rape, a near attack, a forced car crash, another rape, possibly a gang rape. I think there's at least two or three other attacks. But crucially, it does evolve. That's the thing that I was saying, like, I would say that the pacing's slow in the beginning, but I understand why. It's not a criticism. It's just an observation saying it did feel slow to me. I understand why it was. I think it's necessary. It didn't leave me with an easy feeling, but I know that that's what they're going for. And there were moments where I was like, this better change, this better change. And then it does. Yeah. 
And I better, like, somebody has to be on her side. Like, come on. And just as I'm writing that note, we're at the scene where, you know, she's with the girls. Uh, Snyderman's left. Um, the girls come home. Yeah, that's why they left, because the girls come home. She's been for her tests. The son's there as well. They're just having family time. And I'm like, oh, God, what's, you know, is it going to happen again? Like, is no one's going to believe her? Is this where we're going? Is this? And then, wow, fuck. This entity, where it is, actually rapes her in front of the whole family. Not just the son, the two little girls, too. He gets electrocuted. His thing, I'm like, that's the, what the film needed. 50 minutes in, for me, the film needed that turn, that change, where it's like, nope, credible witnesses, credible events. Yeah, yeah. Like, and what's so unbelievable is that Snyderman would think that in order to collude with the mother in her delusion, that the son would break his hand, that the daughters would lie in order to protect their mother. It's like, why, what interest does this family have in lying about this? I... It doesn't make sense that they would. They everyone would find it just as unbelievable, right? But again, in a realistic, if if you if you put yourself in someone's shoes, you would you would have to exhaust for your own sanity all of the possible permutations, regardless of how outlandish. Before you accept, there is a a supernatural spirit attacking this family right but that's the conceit of being an audience member right is that we know what we think is happening what's being portrayed to us and that's an interesting decision to make it unambiguous it's not a mystery for us it's not a mystery for us yeah so we're along with her ride she knows it's happening to her she's not sure what's happening to her she's freaked out by it as she should be you'd be freaked out by it if it was just an attack and that's why I think if it if it wanted to be a strictly paranormal movie, I think it would benefit from letting someone else's view in for the audience. And I think by centering so much on her experience, that's what I'm referring to. Where I'm saying that makes it very relevant for yeah. today. Yeah, we, we have we have to believe her, and we have to see why everybody else doesn't. I agree. Should we spoil it? Yeah, let's get into spoilers. But before we do, would you recommend this film and give it a ranking? I recommend it for all of the reasons that we've said, uh, for the fact that it's actually quite important, that it's got a slant to it that sets it apart from other horror. If people still want to put it in that category, I'd understand that. Uh, It's more along the lines of psychological thriller, although it's it's horrifying. The supernatural element firmly does place it in the horror genre, I think. I, I think you've got to be okay with that kind of thing. If you're not okay with it, don't watch it i just really don't like it's not going to be fun for you as not not a fan myself um i think it's okay i in terms of quality of film it's weird this is a weird uh rating in terms of quality of film i'm giving it a three out of five okay but that doesn't have to do with how much i enjoyed it this is weird i like that i've seen this movie and i think it's an important movie so i want to give it a four out of five um, it loses some marks for reasons that I've said, but I don't want to give it too poor a rating. I don't think it's a great film, but I do recommend it. I, the recommendation gets a four out of five. Quality gets a three. It's a it's a solid four star film all around for me. But yeah, just know that when you get into it, it's it's not a film of cheap thrills. It's uh, no 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 <laughs> something very different to that. No no no. Right, let's have a let's have a few thoughts on spoilers for the entity. Beware, listener. Spoilers lie within. 
So I guess the the big spoil, the the very final reveal of the film that you're referring to is that this actually happened. Jesus, man. Like that ripped me, that yanked me right out of the funk that I was in throughout a lot of the film. And I think that, you know, I wasn't going to refer to it too much earlier because I was in a funk. I, I just, I didn't get why I was watching this. And, but the end I was like, Ah, right. And I was like, because I trust your recommendations, like most of the time, there's always something interesting in it, even if I don't like it. Unless Um, it's a Walter Hill movie, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) I'll come round. I'll come round. I just need to find my time to watch these things. But it's like, yeah, based on a true story. But the way that they do that is like, it made me go like they weren't taking liberties with this. There was my, of course, there's some poetic license, but when you think about all the people that were involved, when you think about the, the university, the Ghostbusters at the university, yeah. The, yeah. The, this is again the ropey acting that made me go. That I, I, I just, if you told me, I completely forgot that it was based on a true story. I believe that at the end, that I'd watched something that was very close to a true story, not not just based on it. Because of all the players. Down to the scene that you mentioned, the attack where the whole family see and the son breaks his arm. Yeah. Her son broke his arm. And that was the real turning point in the case of like, we have to take this seriously. Yeah. It's a, this isn't this isn't just in her head. Right. It can't they, be just they, in her head. So they don't show that in the film. So you're saying, have you done some research into real life? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 yeah but that's the thing that I felt was lacking from the film is that the fact that a son breaks his hand doesn't make anybody take it more seriously in the movie. Uh, to the extent that I believe, I can't remember if it's Ron Silver or the guy that's smoking the pipe, says that it's a mass hallucination. It's a Yeah, which I am really dubious based about. Based on empathy, you know. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. really dubious about it. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. But just generally speaking, I, I, for me, the jury's still out on how possible is it for people to mass hallucinate. I. Maybe it is. Maybe there's really good research on it. I need to find that out myself. Throughout most of the film, I thought that uh, Ron Silver was the entity. There's definitely... Am I supposed to think that, do you think? There's definitely points that it leads you down a couple... I actually re-watched the first half of the film again. Right. Up to the shower attack, which I think is the most horrifying scene in the film in a lot of ways. But one of the interesting things that is excised from the film... And I believe was shot. It was certainly in the script. Is when Ron Silver suggests that she felt that there was more than one attacker, one large person attacking her, and two small people holding her down. Right. Yeah. And that this mirrors her son and her two daughters. And that's the point where she freaks out. It's like that's fucking sick. Yeah. Apparently, there was um, actually a dream sequence where she imagined that it was an incestuous attack from her son. Oh my God, that makes me feel sick. And I'm very curious as to whether, because this would have really pushed it over the edge, whether it was tied to the scene where she is asleep and dreaming and has an orgasm. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, Like, again, this is why we're putting all this stuff in the spoilers section. Like, It's it's, it's pretty raw stuff. It is raw. And, And I have to say, like, the effect of an invisible person touching her boob was so well done yeah like, yeah i just very like, good effects yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and like i don't actually want to know how they did it because i just i love i love that 
feeling of like like people have done effects like this that have just made me and and that's what it's the, it's effects like that that lend real credence to like Alex Rocco's performance this older boyfriend who's absent most of the time who she thinks that having him around will make things better and he does and it sort of feels like that he says I'm coming I'm staying for good and I'm staying yeah, for yeah. good this time. And she de- and you think like, okay, well, maybe this will. Because we've been led to believe that this is a psychological thing. That maybe she is the entity as well. Maybe she is projecting these fears and things out so so harshly. Like with so much vigor that it creates a real entity that is harassing her. And you get led down this path of like, well, Jerry Anderson's back. He's going to fix everything. This solid man who makes her feel safe. He's a bit older, but he really loves her. You know, he loves the kids. He's there. He's getting ready. It's a little creepy. Cause he... Yeah, I got a bad vibe from him all the time. Yeah, it's a little creepy. And I think we're supposed to, because again, we're supposed to be with her. We are, as audience members, I think throughout, we're supposed to feel like we're completely with her, which is why it was such an interesting, and I, I think it's necessary, but I also doubt it as a decision. I've got this weird relationship with that scene where we're no longer with her anymore. It's the one and only yeah. scene where if for several minutes she's not involved when with all the doctors are discussing yeah, yeah. her case. Yeah. It happens again with the Jerry Anderson scene. He sends her off to get dressed in some lingerie that he's bought her. And it's okay. It's not too creepy, but you can see she's weirded out a bit by it. Because she's been going through this stuff that she's barely told him. Yeah. And she's clearly not feeling particularly sexy. Exactly. And it's the last thing on her mind. She doesn't want to be objectified that way anyway. He's going ready. Putting aftershave on in the, the bathroom. I think he's, he's, he's washing up or having just had a shower or something. Yeah. And, but we are led to believe like things are going to be okay. They're going to have you know, a little bit. But then he comes out. And I think it's the most horrifying scene. Because... There's doubt and doubt and doubt and doubt throughout throughout the whole thing. Like, what's happening? What's going on? Is this happening? And then he comes out, and it's so shocking. The shot is wide, yeah. open. She's being raped by an invisible entity on the bed. It's very explicit. It's very, It's the most explicit version of all the other attacks that we've seen. And it and it, I think because it's a, it's a very different approach to something like the shower attack scene which is something straight out of hitchcock of these you know her face smushed up against the mirror and her knees being parted and this thrusting sound it's about her experiences about what she's feeling yeah and when we see her completely sprawled out on the bed yeah. it's about his experience and how horrified he is and why he reacts which that is, way and also yeah. how fucking selfish his reaction is yeah where he's basically saying I'm never going to be able to not see that. That's why I can't be a part of this. That's basically what he's saying. Fuck her feelings. Fuck how much she needs support from him and what he's supposed yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm going really to be selfish. there all the time, yeah, fucking be there all the time. It's yeah. not. It's like no, I can't. I can't bone her anymore. Is what he's saying. Sort of. Also, tell me you would not be scarred for the rest of your life if you saw something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Right. But yeah. I feel very comfortable saying of both course. you and I would be a lot more compassionate yes, of than course. he is. Of course. And and over time, we may actually end up making the same decisions as saying, I, you know, over time, fine. if we're still, yeah, if we're still messed up over years of that. And, and, but yes, we, there would be a conversation. There wouldn't just be this kind of like, 
shaking. He doesn't even say it to her. No. He says it to the doctor. It, yeah, no. So there's but so there's a lot of that in this. And that's, for me, the reason why I gave it that three score uh, as a movie. It gets a four recommendation to watch, but it's a three for quality because there's lots of inconsistencies with the way that people act. That's where I got let down by the script. I didn't believe at all that this guy was her son. And that's not just to do with the fact that they look very different. Like you do find but, yeah, out because we know that his yeah you find his that father out. was very yeah. exotic. I mean, if you didn't find that, yeah, he, he's from Mexico, right? I think so, he's yeah. based in the states. He's from Mexico, but also like she was very young when she had him. So the age gap. So, but you notice straight away. You notice like that guy doesn't look like her son, right? But it could yeah, be. he's got. If we knew the father, yeah, yeah. If we knew the father, yeah, it could be. So I'm not completely disbelieving it. But then, just the way they interact, the way she's like touching him and being affectionate towards him i'm like maybe that's just me but no i do you see I, what i mean it seems I a bit do, sexual. i think it's and that's i think that's absolutely intentional and i think okay I'm for, glad that, you for that reason well. yeah. um it does make you feel uncomfortable because right. barbara hershey doesn't look old enough to have a son who's 17 or 18 no but then you find out how young she was when she had him and you go okay that about adds up yeah but honestly he could just as easily be her boyfriend as Alex Rocco could be. But the, so those things, though, and, and also the stuff around the um, the way the doctors treat her and you saying these are things that you didn't find believable in your experience of yeah, watching yeah. the film. Did that change then when you found out that this was largely based on a true story? Absolutely. And that's why I wanted to say up top. OK. Like yeah. the ambiguity and the, the, the contradictions I'm making as I'm saying this and that, it's all to do with that. Is there anything like more important? Like, do you want to just explain what happens at the end? So the very final scene of the film, I won't say the line of dialogue that she hears, but they, I don't need to reveal actually what happens at the end, but they, she Not goes the very home. End. No, no, I mean in the experiment. We don't need to describe all of that. Well, okay, she goes hang on, home. that's why I said it. I, I've got a point to say there. I think one of the things that completely changed, the thing that makes it so important that changed my experience of this was that experiment, that's the thing. That's the thing I was referring to earlier. The players, when you find out the players and then you hear everyone involved, that that experiment happened. That, yeah. That, yeah, that, that all these witnesses, all these people, not just the family, this thing happened. People witnessed it. There was a lot more of that in the 60s and 70s than we have now, even though technology is so much more advanced. You hear about these studies where yeah. very elaborate, right. you know, traps for yeah. ghosts essentially right. are set up. Do you know why? It's because we're living in a simulation, man. None of this is real. Okay, fine. Fucking Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, no, I was going to refer to um, after that because she has reason to believe that this thing has been exorcised. They captured it in some way. Um, and, you know, regardless of your feelings about the effects in that sequence, it, it is actually quite cathartic to see this mass trapped and, and breaking apart. And you really have a sense of there is a monster in the room. They caught a monster. But then she goes home and she's alone in the house. And it's the only time you ever hear a voice. You hear this voice of the entity speak to her. And I think there's a a really wonderful shot of Barbara Hershey there where she looks kind of determined and also amused and baffled. And it's great. And it's quite unnerving, actually. And then to finish with that final reveal of this happened and the real Carla still yeah. has these attacks. It's, a, it's, I'm not going to say a stroke of genius, but it's a very, very clever touch to have that at the end rather than at the beginning. Yeah. And that's why it's not a two. 
For me, this movie would be a two if it wasn't really? for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this, there's a lot in it to recommend for me. I I was no. never bored. I was gripped. No. But, no, but again, remember, I recommend it to watch it as it gets a four. I know. I know. But in yeah. terms of film quality, I think without that aspect to it, that it's a true story, that these things are still going on, that all these witnesses, they happened. Huh. All right. Real points there. Yeah, it's powerful stuff. So at the end of this movie, we do not know whether or not it's a real supernatural entity, whether or not she has supernatural powers and she is projecting her psychology about sex outward, or whether or not it's one of the other characters who's also doing it. It could be Snyderman doing it. If there's a reality where, if the reality that this film presents is true, that there are, there are either entities doing these things to us as a result of of stuff about the world that we don't understand or that people have this ability or only this one person ever i don't know who actually has this ability to project outward or that other people do that's a potentially harrowing fact that this film leaves you with any one of those variations on what i've said right it's yeah. frightening no matter what your take is on it it's frightening i think the scariest interpretation of it is if we assume that it is a spirit that it is the spirit of her dead father, who we know touched her inappropriately when she was younger. Jesus, yeah, fucking hell. That's sorry the to worst. bum you out like that. No, no, no. It's just I didn't even remember that as one of the things, and that's why I'm like, I'm not rewatching it anytime soon. Uh, yeah, you see, I will. I, yeah. It's the kind of film that if yeah. I'm in the if I'm, if I'm in my place with someone who's into these kind of films, yeah. I definitely show them it because yeah. I don't think many people will have seen it. The one thing I will score the movie down for is I really didn't like that Ron Silver saved her in the experiment. I thought it betrayed her character. It didn't really make sense for his character to put himself in harm's way that way. It actually relieved a lot of the dramatic tension in that scene because we've built up that this liquid, uh, it's liquid helium they use, isn't it? Yeah. Is so dangerous and toxic, but he just runs through a shower of it. And I just thought... Everything we know about her character is that she would save herself or die. Right. So that's again. Yeah. So that's the thing. And it portrays the part when she's like the joy in her face when she thinks that like the the entity's weak, you know, when they're filming it for the first time and they're capturing images and she's She's screaming at the ceiling. Yeah. She's like, die, die. And it's actually a real triumphant moment for me. Also, when her friend Cindy actually sees it, that's like, I'm like, yeah. And I was like really on her side for it. It's really nice that like, yes, this. And so that is what the film did. Although I was saying it wasn't gripping me, it does eventually. Like you really want her to survive and to beat this thing. And it's actually a really sad ending in the sense that you find out that she beats it in her own way, but she's still suffering as a result of this thing. Absolutely. But I also think she's a survivor. And again, it adds to the relevance of the film is this stuff doesn't just go away. You don't just beat it. You survive it. And that's what she is. She's a survivor. Let's move on to Wolfen. We've got to, yeah. Wolfen is predator with a wolf. Kinda. It's definitely got predator vision. Yeah. Uh, And... You know, it's I, I, that's unfair, maybe to both films, but it's the the parallels are strong. That's why we made the reference at the beginning of this episode. That that's why I said like that's going to be interesting for later. 
Yeah, again, in terms of influence, there's no way that Predator Vision didn't come from this film. This is one of the first films to use effects of a POV like that. Yeah, really good. And it's a prominent credit at the beginning. Steady cam operator gets a prominent sure. credit. And it's like during a shot where it looks like somebody's running up a bridge. Running up the side yeah, the side of yeah. a bridge. I have to say right up top, I love Edward James Olmos. I do anyway for I, mean, I love Edward James Olmos. Don't really like him in this film though. That's so interesting. I mean he commits. He surely that's, commits. That's There's no true. question. Good. I'm yeah, glad you're at least actor. giving him that because um yeah. Because I, I got that from him. Can I say up front, I love Albert Finney. Jesus Christ, I love Albert Finney. Yeah. Yeah. He defines safe pair of hands. He's oh just, my he's God. never bad. No, right. And I haven't seen him in a performance this young before. He's a boss, man. He still looks old, though. Yeah, no, but he's fucking cool. Come on, he's yeah. fucking cool. But he's uh, such a flawless accent as well. You forget he's British. He's British. Yeah, I do. I did forget he's British. Yeah, but he's like my favorite scene for character in the whole film is when he sat there an evening smoking a cigar and he says to the the psychologist, you want to ride home? Yeah, just the way he's like, there is not an ounce of shyness about basically asking her out. I want to give you a ride home. He's straightforward, you know, and there's something it's nice. What's, What's the setup of the film, Alex? What's the inciting incident? The inciting incident is an entity that we're not quite sure what it is, but we're pretty sure if we've read the title of the movie when we come in, a wolf-like creature is um, just attacks uh, a rich couple who are having a stroll in the park. That's the inciting incident. Prior to that, there is, over the opening credits, there's a Native American ceremony being conducted uh, on the top of one of the bridges in New York. And is it New York? It is, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I think it's the George Washington Bridge. Right. And uh, that's Edward James almost there with a couple other of, of his cronies uh, just like doing some kind of ceremony. And they throw what I think, it's my theory, is a bottle of wolf piss. That's what I think it is. Onto the side okay. of a car. That's my theory. Okay. Um, it, it, it seems to be... It's a glass bottle are, with liquid in it. They're yeah. marking a target. Yeah, they? yeah. That's why I think it's pee. Um, it would make and, sense. Yeah. Yeah. Parkour. Yeah. <laughs> Parkour. And um, yeah, and there, you know, you can see they're adept at, at, at handling themselves around the bridge. So, uh, and that's it. And Albert Finney has to investigate the murder. He starts. Well, they're not just they're right, not just yeah. attacked. I mean, yeah. we see very clearly a guy's hand gets they're ripped eviscerated. off. The... They're eviscerated. Yeah. yeah. And we later find out that the brains have been eaten, the organs have been removed. Yeah. Um, it's a vicious attack. Yeah. Albert Finney is Captain or Detective uh, Dewey Wilson. He's described by, I, I think, his captain as, he's like, who's this guy? And he's like, that's uh, Dewey Wilson. Homicide, kidnapping and results. Yes. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's brilliant. It's so brilliant. It's like, yes, this is why I want to watch this film, right? Okay, that makes it sound a lot more cheesy 80s than it actually is. No, it isn't. But it is, right? And that's why it, I, I'm... Oh, God, this film is going to get such a strong recommendation for me because of those lines. This is why I want to do this podcast, because of films okay. like this. It's interesting because lines like that deserve to appear in a lethal weapony kind of movie from the late right. 80s. But the look of this film is much more like the grimy 
70s cop thrillers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it's at that really interesting crossover point. Again, like I said, this is a lived-in world. It's cigarette smoke and so shit clothes so and much. scruffy hair. Yeah. And Albert Finney like epitomizes this kind of slightly greasy you can smell his coffee breath just by looking at him you yeah, know what i mean i know exactly what you mean and especially in that scene like you can see he's hung over he's eating just like he's grocery shopping what was he eating it's amazing something... he's grocery shopping right he gets he phones into the precinct on a payphone right because yeah. he's got a pager like awesome and he gets like his job for the, the day and he's and he's like trying to He's trying to bunk off. You can see, like, he doesn't want to do it. Um, but he tells him, the captain tells him the case. And he just shows up at the crime scene with his groceries, like, picking, like, these donuts out of the... They look like donuts to me, like, but donut balls, basically, not yeah. full on. Or cookies. Or, I think he's just eating shit throughout the whole film. I was like, you're in good shape for somebody that eats that shit. It's like... Well, we see him jogging. Yeah. Um, he's not in as great shape as Gregory Hines, who we also have to mention, because yeah, he's one of the great... You wouldn't fight him. You wouldn't fight him. You wouldn't fight Albert Finney. No, no, I absolutely wouldn't. I think but... he'd deck you. And oh, me. And, and me, yeah. And, but that's, you know, he he really looks like that no-nonsense guy, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the film is, I think, again, not, it doesn't really belong as a horror film, I wouldn't say. It's no. much more no. of a police procedural. Agreed. Um, and this is a mystery more than the entity is. Yeah, and th- yeah, and this is paranormal more than the entity is. Well, more is a bit strong. More is a bit strong. This film says it's a paranormal thing without, like, it's not pretending that it might not be paranormal. It's not saying that it's psychological. I I think what this does that the entity doesn't is it bridges the gap between the paranormal and the real world. It's saying there is something paranormal going on. Yeah, yeah. But these real world characters are very much connected to it, very much inciting it. Right. So what I'd say is that if you think it's horror, it's about as horror, much horror as the X-Files. There's many X-Files episodes. It's like... That's a good comparison. It's got that feel yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. And Gregory Hines, man. Great. Yeah. Like, so good in this. Whittington, his name is. Did you spot another notable mention in the morgue? He's in of it... Of course. Ten seconds. Right. James Tolkien from uh, Back to the Future and Top Gun. That guy. What? No, that's one I missed. Oh, are you, you're not talking about Tom Noonan, the, the wolf guy? No. Oh, who are you talking about? From your favourite film of all time. From Die Hard. Reginald Vell Johnson. I didn't spot him. He's a morgue attendant. He's Al oh, Powell, okay. right? From Die Hard. Yeah, yeah. Sergeant yeah. Powell. No, James Tolkien is obviously uh, Principal Strickland from Back to the Future. Right. Um, He's definitely a notable mention. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, and, I did um, get him. Of course I got him. I'm sorry. Baldy. That's right. Thanks, Baldy. Keep combing yeah. it. He's actually, <laughs> yeah. He's actually credited as Baldy. Like, and it's, it's the most hair I've ever seen on him, which is yeah, not right. saying much. <laughs> which it, weirdly, it also looks like a wig. Like, <laughs> like yeah, maybe it doesn't look real. Yeah, and Tom, Tom Noonan, who plays the uh, the wolf expert, he is in Heat. He's in Manhunter, but we've talked about him previously because he's the axe murdery guy from Last Action Hero. Yeah, no, he's great. I mean, he's one. Of, yeah, he's a great weirdo character actor. Yeah, when we get into spoilers, I like. It, I want to talk to you about him. I think he's an important part of... But my favourite person in the cast is Di- Diane Venora. The psychologist. Yeah, who Albert Finney has that line with. I, yeah, my feeling... Great. I think this was her first movie. Um, and I've I've loved her in everything that I've seen her in. And I think she's one of the most underrated actresses from this period. And my feeling actually watching it this time 
well, not this time, I'd never seen this before, but seeing her in this is, it was a pretty bad time to be an actress of her calibre and appearance because I think if she was coming through now, the age that she was in this movie, she would be a star. She'd be a, a Rachel Vice or someone like that. Rebecca Ferguson. Um, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and she's she's great. Uh, yeah. it's, it's sad, unfortunately, that she didn't have a, a, a more illustrious career, but she is excellent in everything she's been in. Right. So Predator Styley, we see a series of wolf attacks, actually, as... The Albert Finney character, Dewey, is uh, trying to um, figure out what the hell's going on. And it takes a significant amount of time for them to even pin it down as an animal attack. They they do think it's 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 murder, right? But particularly brutal, vicious murder. But it is a mystery yeah. to them. And what's interesting to me is how realistically and how open-mindedly that Dewey Wilson character is investigating. Like, he's truly... A detective in this he's not ruling out anything he's open-minded about it he knows something weird's going on he gets a lead that directs him back to um eddie holt which is the edward james Olmos character who he's got history with he locked him up before hadn't he yeah yeah i like the way that they draw us in too like what's going on there's all these dead people who've been attacked and some of them not necessarily the attacks that are on his radar he's in the morgue He's seeing people getting dragged off slabs. You see these, you see nails, which look like they're hard nails. They look like, is there a werewolf thing going on? That's what we're thinking, right? We're meant to think that. And they're sort of scraping as they're taking people off the slab. They've got like these um, rigor mortis hands that are like claws. And like this woman's being dragged off the slab and her nails scratch along the slab. There's all sorts of these really nice details that are drawing us into... Um, any if you have any awareness of the law around supernatural creatures or werewolves or you're gonna you get drawn in into that that idea right and we're meant to, we're meant to think that there's a werewolf thing going on there's a werewolf connection yeah, yeah definitely which is interesting because given the approach of the film that it is so much like a a cop thriller a procedural thriller that the logical assumption on the part of the audience is it's werewolves and he's going to find out it's werewolves because that's so out there. Yeah. You know? But I I have to say, although we haven't said too much about how we feel about the film, I did find the first hour of this a little too slow. And I know that some of that is just, this is the way films were paced, much like The Entity. Yeah. I appreciated the focus on some of the details, but I got really tired really quickly yeah. of Predator Vision. It was not an effect that worked for no. me. And I... I kind of wanted a lot right. less of it. I agree. It wasn't done. It wasn't done well. There's one particular shot just destroys the film for me. They're being attacked, like, and it just cuts back to a wolf. Like the first time we see a wolf, it's just like, no, just a wolf. There, like casually, I'm like, what are you doing? There's nothing dramatic about that at all. It's the time. It's the right time in the film to reveal what the creature is that's attacking everyone. But it's like, yeah. Do you know it's, the it shot I mean? Bit, I, I do. Yeah. It took a bit long getting there as well. Yeah. It's, you know, we're there ahead of them. And I know that yeah. you have to have the characters find it out in the right amount of time. Yeah. But I, I could have done with getting to the stakeout at the church with Gregory Hines and Albert Finney a little bit sooner. Because that could have, yeah. was quite an effective sequence. There was one bit, though, where before we see that it is actually a wolf, I think there's an attack 
or someone is, is just misses an attack, and I think it's in that same location, and you just see some yellow glowing eyes. Yeah. I thought it was Jawas. <laughs> Again, Poutini. yeah. So, so, yeah, it misses it. It does. It misses on the effects. I'll agree with that. Well, I'll say I wouldn't necessarily say less Predator Vision, but do it a bit better. There was some shots where I was like, I don't believe that the people that the that the wolf. It's clearly a point of view from the wolf that they wouldn't be seen. It, it's poorly directed, I would guess, or, or or poorly blocked out the scene of like what's actually happening is there's a dude with a camera coming up behind you. And it's like, sometimes yeah. it's out in the open. And it's like, I don't know that you wouldn't see the, see a wolf coming towards you, but we learn things that might make that credible. But I take your point about the, like too much of that POV vision. Uh, I think they just leaned on it way too heavily in order to inform us about what's going on and who, which of uh, which characters are seeing what. There's also a couple of strands that, I think don't fully tie up particularly well. And I think Rob mentions this in, in he sent us a little spiel about Wolfen, which I think we will have to do in spoilers because he talks about the ending of the book and the film. But there's this whole thing about this high-tech surveillance center um, yeah. that's been set up to I love capture it. a terrorist group. I love it. And I, I, I think my, it's kind of my biggest problem with the film, apart from the technical issues, is that I found it to be quite hollow and and there were a lot of there were a lot of things in there that felt like they were going to pay off thematically and ultimately for me none of them did there's some eco stuff in there yeah. and there's the stuff with terrorists and and deprived area of new york and the surveillance state and all of that sure. and, and none of it really paid off and there are a couple of relatively effective set pieces but I didn't feel that the movie said anything to me. And I wonder if you feel any differently about that. I, I, I do feel differently, but I totally accept your point. I think that the film was trying to say lots of things and trying to say that there are people that are trying to say lots of things. Um, but that ultimately the movie focuses on, focuses eventually on, and we're definitely going to just move into spoilers after this, I think, because we have to, eventually focuses in on the thing that the movie wants to tell us about like the philosophy that the movie wants to tell us. So whilst I agree it, it sheds light on like, is it this group? Is it that group? Is it, we eventually find out, no, it's this group. So it did actually speak to me, but I would say that it spoke to me in an Alex way in the sense that it's a movie that's trying to portray concepts that I think in the final analysis doesn't do it very well, doesn't do it in a good storytelling way, but, says something in a way that i love that i really liked but i wouldn't give it credit for the way that it said it does that make sense yeah so before we get into spoilers then would you how would you rate this i weirdly i'd say it's a recommended it's i i really like this film it's a solid four stars for how much i like it but i'd give it a three out of five for watching it like i don't recommend that people rush to watch this film it's it's fun, but I wouldn't say it's a fantastic movie. I think there are there are some interesting things in it. There are a couple of very striking visual sequences, which um, I'll be more specific about in spoilers. Mm-hmm. But um, didn't really pull together for me. I'd, I'd probably go two and a half. Wow. Okay. So we're 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 the same for each other's picks, basically. Yeah. Kind of. Same feeling. Yeah. yeah. I, I love Albert Finney. I love Diane Venora. There's some cool stuff in it, but 
yeah, it needed a bit more meat on the bones for me. Yeah. Would you see a sequel with that with Albert Finney's character? Not about well, wolves. Now. I don't care. Like like seventy year old Dewey Willis. Whatever you want, man. Like now or if we could go back in time, I don't care. Like that I yeah, that maybe. character I, is worth There's nothing so unique about the character though, is there? You know, he's No, not really. He's a very Philip Marlowe y kind of guy. Fair enough, but I love that character. Yeah, that's fine. I think Finney did play Marlowe at some point, actually. I just want to give you two bits of trivia, though, before we go into um, spoilers. The director, Michael Wadley, um, never actually directed any other feature films. He was removed from this um, after production, so he wasn't overseeing post-production, which might explain some of those slightly strange um, Uh, shifts. That does make sense, then. His cut that he delivered to the studio was four and a half hours long. Wow! Um, <laughs> I want to see that. I really want to see that. But the um, the bit of trivia I love about this is because um, this was based on a book by Whitley Stryber. Dustin Hoffman was a fan of the book and really wanted to play Dewey, um, right. and actually lobbied for the part. And Michael Wadley rejected him and said, "No, Albert Finney's my favorite actor, and I really want him to get the part." Brilliant. And it's the only time. Dustin Hoffman has ever been turned down for a role. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he made the right choice. I think Finney's more interesting. Maybe, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't have disliked Hoffman in it either. Beware, listener! Spoilers lie right so i'll read out rob's email right let's just read it out straight the movie is an interesting adaptation of the book which takes it to completely different places and explored themes and ideas that the book only hints at the book was whitley stryber's first novel and quite a big hit among horror readers at the time it follows two mismatched detectives who stumble upon the existence of the wolfen which are intelligent carnivals wolves who have evolved specifically to prey on people and who have developed a culture of sorts of which the foremost rule is to keep their own existence secret by hunting down and killing anyone who becomes aware of their existence the book is incredibly effective and scary because its plot is kept quite simple despite the wild premise it is basically an extended cat and mouse chase as the cops realize their predicament and do their best to stay alive as they are hunted by deadly and intelligent but not supernatural adversaries. It was a unique spin on the werewolf novel and includes a backstory about how in medieval times they were the real inspiration for the werewolf myth. That's cool and I could have done with that being in the film. Yeah it would have been interesting to not make it supernatural actually. Um, to have more sort of sentient, highly evolved wolves. I, I had no idea about that, right? The movie makes significant departures from the book. It depicts the wolfen as being something like spirit wolves, which is why we said it's supernatural, uh, that are linked to Native American mythology. And there is an idea in the movie that the Native American people in this film are summoning the wolfen, right? Yeah. Um, but it's not that clear. And actually, sorry, I'll let you finish in a second, but the, 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 the very name wolfen... Uh, comes from the settlers who described the Native Americans and the wolf packs in exactly that way, exactly the same terms. Yeah, which is why, you know, the Ripper character, whatever from Last Action Hero, that actor, I can't remember his name. 
Tom Noonan, yeah. yeah he, he says it. He says it really yeah. explicitly. And he's an interesting character just in purely in the terms of like how he relates to wolves and how he admires them. But he's somebody that isn't against them or a threat to them in any way. But I don't know if they attack them. We don't know. Well, if they attacked him? Yeah. Or, I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah. When he was on the bike. Yeah. Which is also a fantastic gag when Albert Finney comes out of his it. apartment the next morning and a fat guy's on that guy's bike. <laughs> it's for that thing that I love this movie. It's for that that I'm, I'm, I have to I have joy for this movie. It's lines like somebody says, have you, like, I think it's, it's the psychologist again. I can't remember her name. Sorry, the actress. Dan Venora. Dan Venora. She, she says to him, have you got any ice? And he's like, only in my heart. You know, it's like... <laughs> That. Yeah, it's, it's but it's full of it. It's lines like that that I'm just like brilliant, and they're well delivered as well. They're like fine, they're, but they're awful. But also like they fit in a movie like this. So the movie makes uh, significant departures from the book. It depicts the wolfen as being something like spirit wolves that are linked to Native American mythology, and it has a strong message about the environment. Which is that's what I meant by like there's a form of eco-terrorism happening here. So the first people that the wolf the wolf and kill is the like a guy a rich guy who's got some kind of housing development planned and yeah. he's destroying the land or whatever it's like well kill everybody that built new york then I don't know, what's your problem like but it's going to be built on sacred ground that's the whole point uh basically the wolf and are protecting nature's status quo the movie also spends time taking some unusual departures that seem a bit confusing and messy the subplot about terrorist groups and the high-tech surveillance unit specifically. That was what you said. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The film, and you came to that conclusion independently. You hadn't read this, had you? No, no, I, I only read this this afternoon. Yeah. The film was made when uh, New York was at its lowest ebb in terms of crime and social deprivation, and the scenes shot in the rundown parts of the Bronx are truly grim and atmospheric. I agree. Gregory Hines and Edward James Olmos have eye-catching and effective supporting roles. I agree. The ending is one that I'm sure puzzled a lot of the audience. And I agree. Even though I liked it thematically, I think it falls down. It's not It's not well done. The scene in the bar where the Native Americans are actually explaining all about the wolf. And that was like, quick, let's explain it all. And it's like, it would have been interesting to have tried to done that, tried to have done that with better storytelling. But every single line that's said in that scene, I love. I like the decision to make Albert Finney's character get fully on board at that point with what's actually going on. It was a bit jarring, though. I think that didn't. I know he's just seen his buddy get killed by a, a wolf, and he's kind of like, "Yeah, he's on board." But I think just the way that they revealed it all to him, it was like you're taking a real shift here, and the film didn't follow it. The film didn't follow that shift. It kind of went back to how it was before that. And this is this is what I wanted to say. We'll, we will finish Rob's spiel in a yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, no, it's going to lead but on. But like, yeah. there was a really, truly, laughably awful scene for me, where Albert Finney, after that, is trying to put all the pieces together, and he's doing some Nicolas Cage in National Treasure style word association yeah. of putting all the puzzle together. Right. And it was like, right. oh man, this is just about to go right off the rails. But what saved it? was a scene straight after that where him and Diane Venora and Dick O'Neill walk out of the building and the street's empty and the wolves are surrounding them. It does. That Thank you. was a fantastically well it shot scene. It does save it. It does, it does save it. Were it not for that scene, it would have been an awful ending. Uh, so Rob continues. 
I, the ending is one that I'm sure puzzled a lot of audiences. I suspect that the reason the film was forgotten, and I agree it's been forgotten, was that it was marketed as an out-and-out horror movie, but the end product was quite different and rather abstract in parts. I enjoyed the movie, but it really isn't the sum of all of its parts and is more of an inter interesting snapshot of a certain time and place, both, uh, both in setting and filmmaking. I agree. I would have loved it to be close to the book, and would be interested to see a remake or a close adaptation of the novel, although I think it's unlikely to happen. Yeah. And he's got some other just little notes. Also, use of infrared wolf and vision reused in Predator six years later, which we, we both said. And James Horner reused uh, some of the chase music in Aliens. Yeah, so I picked up on the score because I thought, I've, I've heard this before. And yeah, he's right. Um, apparently, James Horner was brought on very late, only had 12 days to write the score. Right. Uh, but there is that one refrain that he's used, actually not just in Aliens, I think he used it in Witness or something as well. Um, that thing about the setting of the film, I think it is, if you know your history of New York, a very interesting time for New York. And I think the look of the film supports what Rob's saying. But I think the film doesn't use it to its full potential, especially for what it's trying to say about, you know, this is land that was stolen from the natives. Yeah. And they don't even refer to them as Native Americans. They refer to them as Indians all the way through. Yeah, which is, well, it's of its time, but totally not okay nowadays. Yeah, but but that's that sort of makes sense for those characters. But it, yeah. I, what I'm trying to say about it being unsatisfying for me is it had all of the these ideas and it just didn't push them quite far enough. And I think the idea of using, you know, the mystical engine and semi-vilifying them a little bit as well, yeah. I found quite uncomfortable with. Yeah. Uh, it, it could have turned it around if it was saying that this is the way in which the oppressed are going to reclaim their land. And you could say that it does say that, yeah. but it didn't say it to me. So no. it might be my failing more than the film's. No. But no, I agree that the film doesn't succeed in saying that at all. And I, I can see why you wanted it to say that. The Wolfen are an independent culture. They may have an affinity or some kind of treaty with the Native Americans, but I don't think they care any more about them. That And that's where the film falls down. It's like the premise doesn't quite match. The Wolfen might have their own culture, their own ideas about what to do. They protect themselves and they protect their secrecy. And I think that's a really big missing part of this film. They're not doing a great job, are they, the Wolfen? They're just like protecting sacred ground and... As soon as Albert Finney shows that he's not interested in this housing development, they go away. Fair enough. Yeah, there's just there's just kind of loose ends, and I don't know if it was intentional or not. And it may speak to the fact that a lot of material had to be cut. But you know, you start off with all of this occult symbolism of the goat and the pentagram and all that kind of stuff, and obviously that's a red herring. But then you have this terrorist group called the Gotadamarung, which has nothing to do with actually what's going on, but Finney pins it on them anyway. He says, yeah, it was them. Um, and, and for me, really, the only thing that saves the film are the, 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 the sort of the three big set pieces. The opening's quite effective when Van der Veer gets attacked. Uh, I think the gore effects are actually very good for the time in this film. But the, the sequence where Gregory Hines and Albert Finney are hunting around the, the sacred ground is quite well done. When the wolves attack them outside the building, although ridiculous Simpsons explosion on that car... Yeah, yeah, I thought the exact same thing. Yeah, um, just for and, no the, and the the final sort of hall of mirrors sequence. There's this there's this great repeating 
image of, of almost like wind chime structures and uh, small mirrors. And um, yeah, when the wolves are in the apartment yeah, yeah, yeah. with Diane Van that was very striking. It was good. But the, the wind chimes and the mirrors, and there's quite a lot of symbolism in this. I think there were, again, I want to see the four hour cut because I think they're trying to say something, all of that, that again didn't quite land. There's a lot. There's a lot that doesn't land in this. I don't think that uh, that Diane Venora had nearly enough to do in this. It would have been really nice to see that character do more uh, and be a more prominent part of the story. Also, in helping figure out what was going on, that would have been quite yeah. nice. Yeah, so, she ended up being a little bit of a damsel. Exactly. And I didn't think that was necessary because Albert Finney's the one that goes to her for help. Like, he's running... I did like it. It was my favorite, one of my favorite character scenes in the film. He's freaked out he knows he's now figuring out that these attacks are happening and he runs to her apartment to check that she's okay and then ends up being comforted by her i liked it i thought it was a really good turnaround a really good twist this this film had a lot of potential for me i I just wanted that scene where they get sniper rifles and go out and hunting and just wanted more from that right it was well constructed uh, and it was well edited as well, actually. But I think the disappointing bit for me was when Albert Finney left his post. And it's like, dude, you've got a high power night vision rifle and you're going in on foot. That's just irresponsible. Like you're not covering your pal anymore. And mm. what advantage are you gaining? Yeah. He dropped like it's a character flaw it's a plot flaw i don't know what to call it right it's something the advantage the story gets is it changes their advantage and that it's that impatience right the wolf ends up getting yeah it's a plot machination and it was just yeah i agree with you that the film had a lot of potential and i think that's why i was disappointed by it because i think i've said in the past i much prefer a film with lower sights that delivers really well on them mm than a film that has sort of expectations that it can't meet. And and that's why I said, ultimately, I think the film's a little bit hollow because for all of its promise, it didn't fully deliver on, on a lot of the things. I won't say any of them, but on a lot of them. And there is some good filmmaking in there. Oh, certainly. And I think that's, that's, that's to its credit. I don't think it's accidental. I think there's talent there. But I think what helps me understand where the film falls down is... The fact that it's an adaptation. If it was an original idea conceived for film, it might not have had the flaws that we're talking about. That Hearing Rob's um, brief but very concise analysis, actually, I, I, it helps me understand of like, well, yeah, there, there are ideas in the book that like, they cut the wrong ideas out, right? They, yeah, it's, it's definitely, there sounds like there's some stuff in the book that would be right up my street. I think one of the things that um, did stand out for me, because I said that the gore and makeup effects are really, really good, and there's something that I pay a lot of attention to in a film like this. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a gore hound, but I appreciate those kind of things. But actually, the most disturbing stuff in the film, for me, was the footage of the wolves being shot from the helicopter. Yeah, that is disturbing. Because that looks real that looks archival yeah um and that's quite upsetting and that's one of the few points in the film where the filmmaking and the the message of the film actually align in a mm. in a sort of perfect way mm. um and again that's all about 
you know, the potential and the ingredients that the film had. And I think Rob absolutely nailed it when he said, you know, no matter how much he enjoys it, uh, it isn't really the sum of all of its parts and is more of an interesting snapshot of a certain time and place in setting and filmmaking. I, I totally agree with that. Mm. I also agree with Rob's point that this is a film I would watch remade and, you know, gone back to the book. And I think it's the kind of film actually, you know, remakes often get a bad name because you tend to remake the wrong properties. Mm. And this is the kind of film that you could remake and improve on, I think. Yeah, in terms of footprint, again, it's not one of those films that has any uh, sort of cultural impact listed on its page. Um, The only person who is known for this is the director Mm. because he never directed anything else. Um, and that documentary about the making of the film, uh, which again, Rob pointed me towards, uh, presumably because it was a slightly troubled production and an adaptation of a then relatively popular book. Mm-hmm. Early, earlier on, we said that um, Edward James Olmos, like I said, he's fantastic, he's great. And you said, well, not that great in this. And I was like, really? And you're like, he commits. I don't know if it's worth mentioning, but... It's like, it does bug me when I'm sure there are plenty of Native American actors that could have acted in this and they cast somebody who's not Native American. And it's like, he does not not look the part, but I, I'd i imagine that if people are familiar with a Native American look, they might say, no, he's clearly not Native, he's Mexican. He had to do a scene that I think was, was very difficult to do and would have been very difficult to do. The beach. The, the beach, where... He knows that he's being tailed. And because he knows that he's being followed, he acts out and plays up a sort of werewolf transformation experience, a werewolf transformation scene. Yeah. Which I I laughed hard at the end of this thing because the whole scene, we're being led down a path where we think, shit, he's the wolf. Yeah, we're going to see him transform. Yeah. And he starts, he takes off his clothes, he does some kind of breathing, he starts acting like a wolf, he's like licking a puddle yeah. left on the beach, and like the detective's watching him, like, like oh my god, he's going to see him. He's got his and gun he, drawn. Huh? He's, he's got, got his gun drawn. Oh, right, I didn't notice that, yeah, and it's like, and he runs around, loops back around, up to the, um, it's like a, a dock or something, right? Yeah, a boardwalk. But, yeah. Boardwalk, yeah, and but they're underneath it, and starts growling and snarling at, at the detective, who's shitting himself, but still in doubt of like he looks very much like a man. I shouldn't shoot him. I don't know if he's really thinking what we think he's thinking. It's like I should probably just shoot him, yeah, before he turns into a werewolf. Well, also um, there's due process. The guy hasn't done anything wrong. I, I know, I know, I know. But what streaking. I'm saying is that it's it's that it's that line that we talked about with entity as well. It's like what's real, what's not real, and that's what the detective's going through. And then he just laughs at him, and it's all in the head, man. I told you, it's all in the head. Which is a message that I think the film is trying to put across. But again, I think there's a lot in terms of allegory and storytelling that I think got lost, like you say, because the production was problematic. And that's what that's one another one of those scenes that I think is a potential. It it had potential to illustrate something. And I think the message he's trying to send is like even the wolfen, they are in your mind too. They're a product of something. They're a product of the disease of modern culture or whatever. 
And he's been messing with him since the beginning, right? He says right near the beginning when he first questions him, like, I can shapeshift, man. I can turn into anything I want to turn into. Dewey's buying it and he's buying it throughout until he has this experience later on. And it's like, there is an angle there that the film doesn't get to explore, doesn't explore it well, but suggests. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that he's buying it. I think he's conflicted. I think the scene on the bridge where Holt undoes his safety harness mm. and then starts free climb, that's a really good, short, concise sequence because you feel and understand the history between these guys. And you also know that up there, Albert Finney's character is outmatched. Yeah. The, there's a really cool power dynamic there. And I think yeah. that whole, I told you it's all in your head, man. I think that's kind of a power play as well of him saying, I know what I'm looking at. Mm. Do you know what you're looking at? Mm. And I think the revelation at the end, when Finney says it was the Gotterdammerung, is him saying, I was proven wrong, actually. I, 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 so I don't think that he was buying it. I think... He couldn't get to the place where he would believe that this was anything other than a conspiracy. And then when he saw that it it was actually what Edward James almost told him it was, there's no way that anyone would believe him. In that sense, actually, there's, there is a connection there between the entity and Wolfen. And that's interesting that we've sort of stumbled across that. Two characters choose to live within that denial to an extent. Mm. Um, my feeling about the Edward James almost performance is simply... I, I do find him an interesting screen presence. I think he's a very, very talented actor. I think his performance in this, whether intentionally or not, is not in tune with the other performances in the film. It's mm. a little bit bolder. Yeah. And while I, you know, absolutely salute the actor, like I said, for committing and going there, mm. does leave the film a little off kilter and again feeds into this feeling that there's a lot of elements in this film and they don't all gel together. Mm. And that's that's just unfortunate. Yeah, and, and I am saying the same thing uh, in, in my own way. I'm saying something similar in my own way. Where we disagree is is literally purely just on, on enjoyment. I didn't not enjoy it. Yeah, right. But yeah. I'm glad I saw it. So two films there that are uh, challenging in different ways. Uh, certainly, I think we can consign them both to the bin of forgotten films. Yes. I would personally only really recommend The Entity. I think that's the film that feels like it has a lot more to offer. Mm. I think Wolfen is interesting. And certainly, if you're interested in this period of films, definitely worth a watch. There's some very good filmmaking, very good set pieces in that, some good performances some interesting ideas the entity for me is the more satisfying film uh certainly on a thematic and emotional level obviously you enjoyed wolfen more yeah right does that mean that that is the recommendation for you wolfen's the more fun film for me if you want to have a fun film out of these two watch wolfen if you want a film that's going to challenge you 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 have to watch an entity uh if you've listened to the spoilery bit you'll know you'll know why and if you don't like horror, it's one you can watch. That's all, that's, all, that's all I could say as somebody who's not a fan of horror to say, I'm pleased that you put it as your pick. I'm relieved that you weren't just like turning the screws and saying, 
I'm going to make you watch horror, Alex. And it's like, it's it was more than that. And there's there's meat to it. And I'm actually really grateful for it. So I'm, I'm thankful that you, to you, and that you, you picked it as a, as your pick. And I think actually Wolfens might be one of them as well. Again, at first glance, I'm like, ah, I don't want to do that. I would have, I would have passed Wolfen off as a B movie, and that's really unfair. It isn't. No, I think it's it's from relatively pulpy material, but it's a very stately kind of film. It's, right. You know, yeah. mounted in a certain way uh, with you know gravitas behind it. Exactly, and that's back to that comment we said several times, or you said it several times, but I wholeheartedly agree that it's these lived-in worlds yeah. where you you do believe that the people are there doing the things and saying the things that they're doing. They're very different. I don't know that I would recommend one over the other. It really depends on what you're feeling like. In terms of forgotten films that should be remembered, Entity wins. I agree. It yeah. stands the test of time. If if we had to forget one and only remember the other, it I would have to say entity because there's something quite important about what's being said. Whichever way you look at that movie, whatever your takeaway is, it's not an insignificant story. But all that said, massive thanks to Rob Arden for the recommendation. He really yeah. pushed for it. Yeah. And actually after, you know, Southern Comfort and Stripes sort of fell by the wayside, it was the the obvious choice. But Wolfen is bordering on that kind of obscure, you had to be there at the time to remember it kind of film. Mm. So I really appreciate Rob's uh, input on that. Yeah, and we're we're large, we're relying on ourselves for those kinds of movies. And by definition, they, they can be hard to remember sometimes. Give us give us your, your picks. Get, tell us what it is that you want us to consider and to potentially review. Uh, certainly for us, looking at stuff we'd never considered before as well. That's part of the that's part of the fun of this season. So onwards to nineteen eighty two, a, a absolutely top ten year for genre movies, and we'll talk a little bit about that at the beginning really? of the next episode. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but let's see if we can get through a week without talking about either Walter Hill or The Exorcist. Yeah, because we haven't done so far. No, that would be good. Join us for nineteen eighty two. This is going to be a tough one, man. Trust me. There's a lot of films in nineteen eighty two that are eligible. Yeah, I've already had a look. I'm yeah. already really struggling. Yeah, yeah. But but it's good. It's better to have more choice than say I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll be back soon for that. Forget about it. <laughs>